fancy meeting you here. Welcome. It's On The Ledge Podcast. I'm Jane Perrone and in this week's show we're talking about a very special Oxalis. And we'll be hearing from listener Alice. Apologies for the unscheduled absence of the podcast last week. I went and got myself some COVID for the third time since the pandemic began. Not great timing with a book launching and uh, a lot else going on. But there you go. That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm out of isolation and feeling almost normal again. Well, as close to normal as I ever get. I want to kick off this episode with an announcement, which sounds terribly serious. And I guess in a way it is. First off, to reassure you, On The Ledge is not ending. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you will already know what I'm about to say because I sent out a message to Patreon subscribers earlier this week. But for everyone else, here's the details. On The Ledge has been a weekly podcast for all of the years, the six and a half years since its inception. But I've made the decision that from now on, the show is going to come out every other Friday rather than every Friday. So the reasons why I need to make this podcast less regularly are various. First off, I've been making this show for over six years now, pretty much one a week, probably about 45 episodes a year, every year with four hours a week from my wonderful assistant Kelly. That is quite a big strain. A lot of big shows that are published that often are produced by a team of people and I need to make room for other projects so that I can come back to On The Ledge fresh with renewed vigour because the last thing I want is for the show to become stale and boring and uninspired. I've already emailed Patreon subscribers about this change. I'm going to keep my Patreon tiers as they are and what that means for Patreon subscribers is that rather than two episodes of an extra leaf every month you will get one episode. I'm not changing the tiers. I actually feel like the tiers are pretty good value for money. In terms of Legend, which is the vast majority of my members, you're still getting ad-free editions of every show. You're still getting the Christmas mail out. You're still getting the first 50 episodes of the show and all the back catalogue of an extra relief episodes that are already there. But I do appreciate that some people might still want to cancel their membership. And that's absolutely fine. If you've got any issues about Patreon, please do drop me a line if you haven't done already. Is this forever? Well, I don't know. I'm going to see how I get on publishing every other week. I'm not promising that that won't change again, but... There are very few shows that have been going as long as mine. And so I feel like it's my right to change it up a little bit and try something different. And I hope that this will mean that the quality of each episode will continue to be as high as I can make it. So that's the skinny. If you've got any questions, do drop me a line. I'm happy to help. And remember, you can also find me on social media too and at Houseplant Hour every Tuesday at 9pm, which I co-host with Lisa Eldred-Seinkoff, the houseplant guru. Yet more copies of Legends of the Leaf have been plopping 
on to doormats around the world. And it's been fantastic to get continuing feedback. Please, please do go and leave a review if you can. Uh, I've seen a couple of reviews on goodreads.com, which is wonderful and said very nice things about the book. Yet to see a review on Amazon. I know there's been a bit of a delay in the UK anyway, with amazon.co.uk deliveries of the book. So if you haven't received yours yet, I apologise. Hopefully it will be on its way soon. If you've never listened to this show before and you're wondering what on earth Legends of the Leaf is, well, uh, how can I summarise this in a way that I haven't done so already? Well, if you want to find out why people ascribed magical powers to String of Pearls, what you can do with a snake plant, a credit card and some water and why Kentia palms were the least surprising thing at the lying in state of Queen Victoria, then this is the book for you. It profiles 25 iconic houseplants and brings you loads of amazing facts and also valuable care information. You can find out all the salient information about the book and where you can get hold of it at legendsoftheleafbook.com. In the book, I cover the wonderful houseplant Oxalis triangularis, the purple false leaf shamrock. But in this episode, I want to turn my beady eye onto a different member of this genus, namely the gold-veined oxalis. Now, this is a cheeky little plant in my experience. (laughs) The first thing to say from a name point of view is that the name it's most frequently given online and in plant labels is oxalis corymbosa oreo reticulata. What a mouthful for a start. This is actually an outdated uh, species name. The up-to-date species name that taxonomists have awarded it is Oxalis debilis, D-E-B-I-L-I-S, which I prefer because Corymbosa is a bit of a mouthful. So Oxalis debilis is the species and the cultivar name is Oreo reticulata, that just meaning yellow veins. And If you've never seen this plant, well, imagine a little shamrock type plant with bright gold channels that mark out its network of veins. It's low growing. I guess we'd call it ground cover if it was outdoors, rarely getting to anything taller than sort of 15 centimetres. And the leaves get about maximum of about five centimetres across The flowers, when produced, look a bit like other members of the wood sorrel family. In this case, they're pink. There are other species that have yellow flowers and white flowers. But these little pink trumpets, to me, are the worst part of the plant. I don't like the colour compared to the yellow and green foliage. So I tend to remove them straight away. I don't feel like they add much, but feel free to disagree. And those are generally produced in the spring, although they can turn up sporadically throughout the year. What should we know about this plant? Well, the oxalis family all contains high levels of oxalic acid, which gives the leaves a lemony flavour. This is an edible leaf. 
like many other members of the Arxvalis family, just bear in mind that if you have various conditions like gout, you need to be a little bit careful with this leaf in the buildup of oxalic acid, but you would have to eat pounds of the stuff for it to make any difference. And as I always say, only eat leaves that have not just been uh, bought on a plant straight from the shop. Let the plant grow lots of fresh new leaves which haven't been treated with anything other than water so you can enjoy those leaves safely if you choose to eat them. But I think given the size of this plant, this is probably a plant that you're going to want to look at rather than eat. And how do I use this plant? Well, it's partly a matter of luck rather than judgment with the way this plant is displayed around my house. It grows from tiny little bulbils, which uh, I found a really rather great description on the Glasshouse Works website, which described them as looking like, let me just find the quote, odd little white tapioca-like soft orbs, which is just about right. And they mentioned this because a customer of theirs had mistaken them for maggots and thrown them out. Now, these little bulbils will get everywhere. So if you potting mixes, you'll find that this little plant will spread around your plants. But if in my experience, that's been a great thing. So I have this plant growing as a little bit of ground cover in the tops of a few different pots, including my Hoya polyneura. And I find that's the way that it grows best. It really does seem to do best when it's part of a little grouping with another plant. It does mean also that if you have this plant growing on its own, it's easy to make new plants. You can just separate out some of these bulbils and pot up separately. And there you go. You've got a new plant. The bulbils themselves are tiny. I'm talking about they're smaller than the size of a pea, about half that size. So they really can slip into anything if you uh, allow them to do so. One interesting thing that I discovered in my research for this episode was the origin of those variegated leaves. Now, in last week's show, we were talking about the difference between monocots and dicots, monocots being plants with single seed leaves and various other characteristics in common, including parallel veins, and dicots being those with two seed leaves as seedlings and network-like veins. So the oxalis Oreo reticulata is definitely in the dicot category. And interestingly, I did discover some research talking about the reason for this variety's gold veins. It's attributed to a begomovirus. Now, I'd never heard of this term before, but it's basically an umbrella term for a group of viruses which are transmitted, I think, by whitefly on the whole. And this group of viruses infects dicot plants. So, of course, oxalis being in that category. And it does include some viruses which can cause a huge amount of damage to commercial crops like tomatoes. So obviously a serious issue. But the particular virus that has affected this plant has caused something that is seen as beneficial from the horticultural world's point of view. So there are some viruses that can do this. They can produce a characteristic in a plant that we see as beneficial. And in this case, it's these gold veins. So along that network of veins, across the shamrock-like leaves. Each of them is traced with gold and it provides a really nice contrast with the mid-green of the leaves. I'll put a link in the show notes to a a research paper that I found in connection with this. Uh, I 
Couldn't access the whole paper, but looking at the abstract, that seemed to be the nature of it. And again, there are other examples of Bogomo viruses that have affected plants in a positive way. Another example being the Abutilon family, sometimes grown as houseplants or conservatory shrubs. The variegated forms of those, again, a Bogomo virus is thought to be responsible for their yellow splattering on those leaves. Oxalis debilis has been described in 1824, so it's been known to Western science and horticulture for an awfully long time. And it has spread from its native territory, which is Central America and also Guyana and Paraguay, and has spread to many, many parts of the world with subtropical, tropical and to some extent warm temperate climates. Q's Plants of the World Online describes it as a tuberous geophyte, geophyte meaning just a a plant that's got um, some kind of underground storage organ. And perhaps not surprisingly, given that huge spread, some medicinal uses have been found for this plant, particularly, I think, in India. The leaves, as I say, can be eaten. And I did read about the leaves being used for their similarity to tamarind and also the root being edible and the flowers being edible. So an all round useful plant in India, I think the leaves are used specifically to treat diarrhoea. And there's been some scientific research looking into that. So, yeah, a plant that's widespread and certainly well used. And the variety Oreo reticulata does make a nice little house plant. Like other members of the Oxalis family, it does have a bit of a tendency to go dormant if it gets too hot and dry. I tend not to worry about that because if this plant does get hot and dry, the other thing that happens is it gets red spider mites. It's a real red spider mite magnet. So if my plants are looking a bit miserable, I quite like to just remove the leaves, let it go dormant and re-sprout when it's ready. It does have that capacity because of these bulbils, which are tiny. I've read descriptions of how it grows in the wild, saying that it grows generally in sandy soil. I find it's pretty flexible as to where it will grow, but good drainage is obviously important so those bulbils don't rot. And you can certainly buy this plant, I know, from at least one or two places in the UK um, as bulbils. I know West Cornwall Carnivores, which has a quite a good selection of oxalis, actually does sell it in that form. And if you wanted to start them off that way, it's a cheap way of getting them going. You probably need to offer them a little bit of uh, propagator heat uh, if you're doing it in early spring, summertime, should they should just sprout under their own accord. If you are going to grow them in quite well-draining soil, you will have to water regularly. The leaves themselves are very thin and fine. They don't have a great water storage capacity, so moisture needs to be steady. And if you don't have a steady moisture source, then that's when you get this situation where the leaves will start to look really off colour and often spider mites will follow with a stressed oxalis. If you want to expand your oxalis horizons beyond triangularis and the gold-veined oxalis that we've been talking about today, there are quite a few options. Other species include oxalis tetraphylla. This is often sold under um, an old name, oxalis depii, and known as the iron cross oxalis because the leaves have a sort of maroon, dark brown splodge in the centre. 
a bit like Begonia masoniana, the Iron Cross Begonia. I have found that to not be entirely successful as a houseplant in my house. Generally, it does better outside. I just don't think it gets enough light indoors, but you may know differently in your home. It may grow well for you. It's definitely worth a try and it is an attractive plant. It just tends to sprawl rather alarmingly indoors for me. And the other plant, which sadly I lost in the heat wave last summer, was a cultivar of Oxalis volcanicola and that particular one was plum crazy beautiful plant I grew this so well and then I went away on holiday when it was really really hot and it was the only plant that succumbed unusually for an oxalis I don't think this has much in the way of underground storage organs so it's just got a fibrous root system and it just wasn't able to support itself given those very very thin leaves Um, if anyone in the UK has one of these they want to do a swap for. I'd love to have this plant back in my collection. There are various cultivars of Oxalis volcanicola out there. Other ones I've come across include Zinfandel, which is obviously wine red colour, and Molten Lava, which has got sort of uh, lime green and red tinged leaves. Oftentimes they're sold in the US as bedding plants. So they're a nice thing to look out for. They're becoming more common here in the UK definitely worth um, a look and Volcanicola has a similar range to Debilis we're talking Central America so it's Costa Rica and Panama and parts of Mexico and uh, also El Salvador so it's uh, uh, yeah the same region of the world and I don't think this one has become invasive in the same way as Debilis has so for whatever reason it hasn't spread across the world in the same way It'd be fascinating to know why, but I don't have any answers to that, unfortunately. I have one more Oxalis in my collection to mention, and that is Oxalis Ortgesii. Now, I could have sworn that I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I can't find any mention of it. This is a plant that I found listed in plant catalogues of the past, I think probably dating to the early 1900s, as a really popular and common Oxalis to grow indoors, Oxalis orgesii. But where is this plant now? I couldn't find any record of it. And I must have mentioned this in the show. I just can't find which episode it was in. Perhaps somebody can help me with that. But a listener called Mark Lashmar, who's actually been on the show, got in touch because he had um, this plant and grows it regularly. And so I got a baby plant from him. And that's another plant that's in my collection. Like a lot of other oxalis, it's goes a bit grim (laughs) at certain times of year but it's now on an upward stroke and looking quite nice it has this very dark almost black foliage and yellow flowers it's known as the fishtail oxalis because of the shape of the leaves this one's definitely worth looking up it's also known as the tree oxalis which gives you an idea that this too can be quite sprawling so that's another one to look out for if you're interested in the oxalis clan i hope that's piqued a bit of interest for you and I'll try to put as much info as possible into the show notes to help you find out more about these species but I'd love to hear from you if there are other oxalis species that you grow as part of your houseplant collection that you love I'd love to hear about it do drop me a line to on the ledge podcast at gmail.com Thanks to Trelief for supporting this week's show. Trelief is on a mission 
to help everybody bring more greenery indoors. And their high quality, durable wooden trellises are made in their workshop in Atlanta, Georgia, using locally sourced timber. You can pick your finish, including cherry, walnut and cedar. Trelief's trellises work with any houseplant you can imagine, including staked and wall-mounted designs and modular trellises that grow with the plant. All of Trelease designs are botanically inspired, but some of their best sellers are shaped like the leaves of monsters and palms. To find out more, visit Trelief online at trelief.shop and check out their range of beautiful trellises now. That's T-R-E-L-E-A-F dot shop. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. And now it's time for Meet the Listener. Yes, we're back with another fan of the show. And this week it's Alice. Alice. I'm a French girl living in France and I've been a plant lover for maybe seven or eight years now. I recently created a plant club to meet up with plant lovers in my city and it's really fun. It's really cool to make plant friends. When did you get into houseplants and why? I got into houseplants yeah, seven or eight years ago. I was having debilitating health issues, had to leave work, leave my place in the city where I was working and come back to my parents' place. So it was very sad and couldn't do all the things I used to. And one day my best friend gave me some cuttings from succulents and she showed me how I could grow new plants just from tiny leaves. And I thought it was just so cool and magical and I was hooked. So that's how it started. And it was a blessing at the time because I was honestly quite bored and depressed. What's the latest addition to your houseplant collection? The latest addition to my collection is or was uh, a begonia erythrophila. It was my first begonia. I got it from um, a Facebook swap and it was just a small cutting. I think it had thrips. I didn't see them, but it showed signs of <laughs> of thrips. So I tried to treat it, but the leaves didn't like it so much. And um, well, they fell off. So now it's just a stump. And I'm hoping it's going to grow back because I was quite excited to have my first begonia. Complete the sentence. I love my houseplants because... I love my houseplants for so many reasons. They are just so beautiful. I used to be a graphic designer and I'm really amazed at all the different foliage and the patterns 
It really allows me to express my creativity into my apartment. Also, they kept me company. They are, I wouldn't say family, but definitely roommates. And they need me, I need them. We have to compromise sometimes. At the moment, they're kind of trying to take over my place, but I am not letting them do that. I also love that they teach you things all the time. Every time you get a new plant, you have to learn something new because they're all different. And I think that's just so cool. They teach you patience and they teach you that failure is just a way of learning and that you can always move forward and improve. Who is your houseplant hero? My houseplant hero is definitely Benji from Benji Plants on YouTube. I think he's so stylish. I love how he displays his plants, especially in his previous apartment. And he really picks the plants that he loves. He's not really into trends or not too much. And he's got a way of talking about his passion that is very soothing and inspiring. I'm really, really a big fan. Name your plantagonist, the plant you simply cannot get along with. I wouldn't say I have a plantagonist, but I do have a love-hate relationship with my Calathea Makoyane. I used to love it so much and I don't know if I gave it the right conditions to grow properly, but um, it's a bit of a diva. Maybe it's not my fault. <laughs> and yeah, at the moment it's not looking so great. It's It looks healthy, but it's not growing any new leaves. And um, I still have trouble finding the right spot for it. Doesn't like to be moved, not too much light, not too little light. So I'm gonna have to dig it up, see what's going on in there and maybe just give it fresh soil and we'll be friends again. I hope so, because it is a very, very beautiful plant, in my opinion. Thank you so much, Alice. And I love the sound of your houseplant club in your city. What a great way to meet new people. And I haven't come across Benji plants on YouTube before, but I've just subscribed. So thanks for that suggestion. And everyone else, I'd love you, yes, you, to put yourself forward for Meet the Listener. We've had a bit of a dearth of people coming forward for this slot recently. Let's make that change because you are the lifeblood of On The Ledge and I need to hear your voices. So all you need to do, if you're going to put your brave pants on, and get in touch is email on the ledge podcast at gmail.com and my capable assistant Kelly will be in touch with the simple instructions for taking part. That's all for this week's show. I will be back in two weeks as previously discussed. So the next episode will be on May the 26th and it'll be coming from the Chelsea Flower Show. Yes, it's that time of year again. So I'll be bringing you some highlights Houseplanty highlights, obviously, from the Chelsea Flower Show on May the 26th. Until then, have a fantastic fortnight. That's what we British people call a period of two weeks. I know it's not a universally understood term, but anyway, have a fantastic couple of weeks, people, and I'll see you soon. Bye! 
The music you heard in this podcast was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops, The Road We Used to Travel When We Were Kids by Kamiku, Chiefs by Jazar, and Dizzy Spells by Josh Woodward. And the ad music was Fire Tree by Axeltree. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit the show notes for details. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.